Welcome to the Make an After School Cool podcast, the link between research, practice, and theory for those interested in the activities youth are involved in during non-school hours. The Make an After School Cool podcast is produced by Case for Kids, a division of Harris County Department of Education, and I'm your host, Mike Wilson. Today is our third episode in our series regarding interacting with youth during this age of technological advancement. This episode focuses on guiding youth to be responsible when using their cell phones and other forms of social media. In our present society, youth using cell phones is a common occurrence. According to a published research report conducted by Dr. Ling and Dr. Haddon entitled Children, Youth, and the Mobile Phone, published in the International Handbook of Children, initially, many parents first purchased mobile phones for their kids for safety reasons. However, as kids age, their use of mobile phones often create unexpected issues concerning child-parent relations and peer relations, diversity among youth, as well as other social consequences because of young people's mobile phone practices. To help parents understand the constructive resource a cell phone could be, as well as assisting youth to build positive digital consciousness is my guest, Richard Gary of the Institute for Responsible Online and Cell Phone Communication, also known as IROC2. IROC2 promotes responsible use of technology and preventing digital abuse. The Institute does not solely focus on existing trends such as sexting and cyberbullying, but rather communicates a necessary digital consciousness that serves as the foundation for a uniform or proactive solution to any digital issue. IROC2 desires to construct a global digital community free of negative and sometimes irreversible consequences resulting from poor digital judgment. So Richard, thank you so much for joining me today on the Making After School Cool podcast. Uh, as stated earlier, I'm really impressed with some of the things that you're doing, the work that you're doing. I think it's timely. Uh, you're providing some information that not only enhance youth knowledge of some of the technology that they're using, but it's also a resource for adults. So I really appreciate some of the things you're doing and thank you so much for, for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm, I'm It's a privilege to do it. So uh, yeah, I'm grateful for the time. My first question is, tell me what motivated the creation of the Institute for Responsible Online Cell Phone Communication, also known as IROC2, which I like that. I like that acronym. As well as when was this initi initiative started and what are some of the services you offer? Sure. So uh, basically, I, I was a, a digital marketer for years. I don't want to age myself, but I've been in tech since the late to mid to late 90s. And uh, in 2009, um, I had my own marketing consulting firm and there was a school and anybody who knows me knows the story. But um, there was a school in South Jersey, not that far from where I was living. And they had asked me to come in and do a health and wellness fair talk for their parents about sexting. Again, this is 2009. I had no idea what they were talking about. And I, my curiosity was one, is this a prank call? Um, because it was just out of the blue. And two, I was like, how in the world do you even find me? Because while I was local, we were an interactive marketing firm and they wanted somebody to come in and talk about internet safety for kids. And so we kind of, after some conversation, realized that it was probably the algorithm at the time, and they did an internet a search for internet safety and kids, and we had a child safety client, and we were an internet marketing company. And so 
regardless, it was all, all I guess, um, meant to be because I said, listen, I've never heard that term before, but I have been in technology for quite a while. So I'd be happy to come in and talk about how you can use technology for positive things. You know, like we were using it for branding and for marketing and helping our our clients get their their name out. So how you could do that personally. And I said, but I'm not going to come in and talk about a word that I don't know anything about in full transparency, because that wouldn't be fair to you or your audience. But I also said, you know, there's probably other things that I'm not even aware of out there. And so rather than come in and talk about one word, why don't I come in and talk about how you can just pro proactively use technology responsibly? And so we agreed. And um, when I left the school and I saw how little people truly understood about technology and how it worked, I was terrified. So I went home and I started doing research. Okay, what is sexting? And what are these other words I'm hearing? And I was here finding a lot of great information. So I don't want it to seem like I'm putting anybody down. And um, there was a lot of tons of great information, but to me, it was all reactionary. And I was like, so what we're basically doing, it seems, is we're handing out all this incredibly powerful technology and then we're waiting for people to get in trouble. And then we're putting a label like sexting on it. And then we're having a workshop about it. But I'm like, you know, that's almost like giving everybody a book of matches and not teaching them fire safety and then waiting for the house to burn down and then having the fire safety workshop, you know, after so many people got hurt. So after, you know, I don't know, maybe a week or so of research and looking into what was out there preventatively, um, I found that there was something lacking. And I saw things like sexting and sextortion and other things as effects. But I was like, we got to really focus on cause. And the cause is the decision making with that tool. And so after a really uh, serious conversation and consideration with my family, and my, especially my wife, my kids were babies at this time, I decided I was going to change my life. And so I resigned my clients, stopped the corporate world, stopped the corporate thing, and I started this nonprofit. And uh, here we are starting our 14th year of, of work. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting because I think technology sort of changed the way we do things. You know, and you and I talked a little bit earlier and I was mentioning how Zoom, you know, COVID changed things. And since then, it's actually changed the way I conduct uh, interviews. It's broadened my scope of the people I can contact. Um, and I think with kids who've grown up in this world, some of the things that, you know, they do, but unfortunately, some of the things they could come in contact with, um, if the adults don't have any knowledge on how to do things, then there's no way the kids will have knowledge on, you know, how to interact with certain things that may just pop up. So as stated earlier, the work that you're doing is definitely appreciated. Speaking of doing presentations, what's your target audience and what have you found has been the best way to reach this particular group? Yep. So when we first started, you know, 14 years ago, our primary audiences were middle schoolers and high schoolers, and we did parent programs. We've always had an elementary program as well. Uh, usually it's grades three through five. Um, more recently, we've had some requests for younger, kind of the point where you were just talking about, you know, kids at a younger age are just getting more powerful technology and because it, it does serve a purpose, right? Especially with COVID. It, I mean, technology eliminated space and time and a lot of kids were going to school over Technology. So back in the day, it was really largely middle schools, high schools, parents. Since COVID, we've had an exponentially huge increase in requests for our elementary program. Uh, screen time, tech time went up. Social, emotionally, a lot of things went backwards because of COVID. And so our primary target is basically third grade and up. And that will vary based on a district. Sometimes we'll go in and we'll work with an entire district from grade three all the way up. And then we'll also do parent programs. But basically, um, that our, our target is anyone in grade three and up. I know youth live in a very technology dependent world and social media in conjunction with their cell phones is a major part of their everyday life. 
Unfortunately, there exist negative aspects concerning the form of communication. What should parents, school staff, after-school practitioners, and even peers be on the lookout to keep their friends and the kids and their lives safe? So, yeah, it's a great question. I could I could spend about eight hours on this, but uh, you know, your listeners will also probably be you know, not want to do eight hours. So let me I'll try and keep it as succinct as possible here. You know, what I always say is, you know, we passed out some of the world's most powerful tools with rapidly evolving platforms on those tools to everybody on the planet. And we really ne never gave a thought system or a mindfulness on how to use them. And so every day as technology evolves and apps evolve, the users, which is everyone listening to this right now, um, we are creating data and our decision making is creating statistics. And some people are becoming statistics of promise and others are becoming statistics of pitfalls based on their decision making. And that information is going to be used by future generations to, to learn from, you know, just as we've learned about the health effects of smoking or concussions from prior athletes, you know, it took time. First generation pays the price for the next generation. And we are the first digital generation. We are the first digital arm of our family tree. And we are the first ones to not just see technology and how it's changed everything. Again, like you said, when we watched the birth of AI, now in a very short period of time, not only did we see the birth of AI, but now we're manipulating it. We are literally dropping into an alternate reality known as the metaverse, anyone who wears Oculus, right? While you're still on planet Earth. So my point here is that as technology continues to evolve, it is so quick and so rapid. We have a lot of people who are trying to, again, like I was saying, effects earlier, they're trying to focus on everything individually and then they feel overwhelmed because as soon as you learn about one thing, you or your children are um, expected to know about something else or you as a parent might be trying to learn something else that you just heard about from your kid or your kid's friends. You know, what is threads, you know? So what we say is, look, if you understand that your tool gives you instant knowledge, instant communication, and instant permanence, regardless of what you have on that tool, that's what that tool gives you. It has eliminated space and time, and it gives you instant knowledge, communication, and permanence. So what you're putting into a rapidly evolving world of communication, are you okay if it becomes communicated? Are you okay? Like our mantra is public and permanent. We, you know, It's not that everything you do will be public and permanent, but do you understand that once you put something into a world built for communication, there are many, many ways every day that it can be. But more importantly, your mindset should never be, oh my gosh, what if that does happen? The mindset should be, how am I taking that tool of communication and how am I creating things that I want to become public and permanent to show the world how beautiful and creative I can be? Because if you are harnessing that power and you're helping to teach your kids that power from an early age, that's their standard thought system. Then from an early age, the hope is when they do have access to that social media or that messenger or that app or that game, they're applying the right mindset to use it to their advantage, to become one of those statistics of promise, not pitfalls. So I, I can give you two I can give you two examples real quick to try and illustrate that. I won't use any uh, names for the first piece, but there's a, an athlete who was one of the best football players in the country not that long ago, all right, a few years back at this point, but his coach told him 10, 15 times, don't use social media, don't use social media. This was quoted in the press. And so this was the mindset, right? Don't use social media. Well, you can't give a 17-year-old <laughs> a phone and just be like, don't use social media. That's not guidance. It's how are you using the social media that's going to matter. And so by putting in the mindset, don't use it, don't use it, don't use it, you're not giving any guidance. And eventually... He did wind up in trouble and he tried to delete his account after he posted something that he shouldn't have, but it was screenshotted, put back in online and so and then leaked into the press. And so he lost his scholarship and he lost a lot. You have another another athlete like Josh Jacobs, right? Josh Jacobs was homeless in middle school. 
there was a guy out of Texas, I forget his name, but he saw Josh play football. He approaches Josh, says, put your game film online. I'm going to get you recruited. Josh creates a Twitter account, puts his game film online. 48 hours, he says his life completely changed. He started getting recruited by Alabama, right? And now he's in the NFL. So there's like two completely opposite directions, right? One coach saying, don't use it. Another coach saying, no, use it, but make it work for you. And so it's really, this is what we're all about as an organization is not saying don't use it, or it's not telling parents they shouldn't let their kids use it, but when they are ready to use it, are you preparing them ahead of time to help them understand you're using a tool of communication, so make that tool work for you. It's about applying the right mindset with that tool um, and helping your kids from a young age understand that before you even give them that tool and that tool. Yeah. They can understand that. Um, then it's not to say that nothing bad is going to happen. Part of life is making mistakes, but we hope that it's a non-catastrophic um, situation that they can learn from. And at the very least, we're helping them make informed, not blind decisions. Yeah. You know, it's interesting you said that because, you know, my generation, and I would probably assume yours as well, our bikes was our mode of transportation. Mm -hmm. And I remember uh, my brother and I, we would tell our parents the first house we were going to. Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to John's house. Now, we didn't tell them where we were going after we were leaving John. <laughs> right. John, John's house. And, you know, thank goodness nothing terribly happened when we were way on the other side of town. But, you know, that's kind of, you know, when you put it into today's uh, access to information that kids have, they can be all over the world, you know, much right. less in different neighborhoods. 100% right. They are connected to billions of people instantly across space and time. Right. And so... What, how are they using that tool is going to determine the risk, right? Are they calling positive or negative attention to themselves? And that's going to, that's going to have a lot to do with their experience. And so again, going back to what I was saying, you know, if we're giving them the right mindset and helping them harness the power of that tool of communication to communicate how beautiful and creative they can be, that's, that's truly their understanding of that tool, even before they get it. Um, then they can use that tool to their advantage as they get older and minimize their risks because they're not putting things out across a platform that, like you said, that connects them to billions of people um, to call the wrong attention to themselves. So like, let's just go with the, what you were saying. Let's just take cars as well. You know, like um, when my, my son first started driving, you know, we put him through all of this training first, right? And we talk about, you know, we go through driver's ed and we train them and everything else. I have no idea where he's going after he has the car. You just hope that all of the information that you gave him prior to giving him those keys will play a part in his use of that car. He cannot control everybody else on the road around him, but he can control his risk and everybody else in that car's risk through his driving. Is he driving defensively to get from A to B faster or is he driving high risk? You know, if he's driving defensively, he can get from A to B faster than walking. Um, and keep his risk and everybody around his risks low. But if he's in that car drunk or texting and driving, he's elevating not just his risk, but everybody around his as well. And he may never get to be. And so it's kind of the same principle here with technology. You know, we are driving an extremely powerful tool um, across the entire planet. And so how are we driving it? Are we driving it to get from A to B? And that for, for anybody listening, your kid, or it might be you, B might be a college job, a, a trade. You want to be an influencer, an entrepreneur, whatever B is for you. And that will change. Technology can help you get there. Like we're on this podcast right now, right? Like technology will help you get there. I didn't have to fly to Texas to talk with you. But at the same time, you know, if I'm on this podcast and I'm doing things calling the wrong attention to myself or to your show, well, now that's just, that's not good for anybody, right? I'm elevating our risk. And anybody who's watching it, if I'm giving bad advice or I'm talking about doing dangerous things, I'm elevating everybody's risk. And so 
again, these are the these are the types of mindsets that we try and talk about when we're when we're talking with kids. And I think they appreciate it because it's not it's not again coming in saying you shouldn't be using technology or you shouldn't talk to people in gaming or you shouldn't have contacts in social media. It's about how do you do that and keep your risks low and your entertainment high. Right. And that's a great segue to my next question. Um, viewing some of the resources that you have, uh, I, I actually learned a new term. Uh, you use digital consciousness. Yep. Can you elaborate on the meaning of digital consciousness? Yeah, absolutely. So I think 14 years ago, I think people really had no, you know, it was kind of like a a foreign concept and people would say, why don't you just say digital safety? Why don't you just say digital inter uh, internet safety, you know? And and that's what we did, but we we did more than that. You know, we didn't want to be an organization that was just, that came in and said, this is how you be safe with this social media platform, or this is how you use these parental controls. Our focus and our philosophy is like, I, um, I alluded to this earlier, is the cause or the mindset that a, that a human has when they operate technology, because many of the effects that happen stem from our decision-making, that cause. So we kind of look at digital consciousness as a combination of digital safety, mindfulness, and empathy. Are you not only being safe with what you're doing and keeping your risks low and your opportunities high, but are you also being mindful of what you're doing to yourself and others? And are you being empathetic? And those last two pieces couldn't be more paramount now as we move into a world of AI and deep fakes. Because I don't know, like anyone who's listening to this right now, if you just take five minutes and go through social media, it's almost like every other video you're going to see is somebody filming somebody else. right? And so we all have those dull moments and if we don't and, and everybody's got cameras. And so if we don't want our dull moment um, to be filmed and put online, which is kind of a standard, unfortunately, right now, um, we really do need a change in our thinking. And I tell people that change starts with you. And part of that change is developing that digital consciousness or that mindfulness and that empathy. Because at the end of the day, I'll give you a perfect example. There was a young lady who was being filmed at a gas station having a difficult time. And I don't want to go into too much detail because, you know, I don't want to try and resurface the video that went globally viral. But at the end of the day, the people that were filming her, um, when they put it online, it was a four minute plus video. And they, there's a morals and ethics conversation to be had about putting it online. I come from a tech standpoint and a safety and a security standpoint and a mindfulness and an empathy standpoint. So here's my question to the person who filmed her and put it online. Do you realize that when you put that video online, you didn't even take the time to blur out her face? Now, again, there's a morals and ethics conversation there, but from a tech and a security standpoint, they didn't even do that. They also didn't blur out the license plate of the car, and they also didn't blur out any of the location. So now you've put somebody online who has went globally viral and somebody has, the world has their face, their potentially their license plate, if it's their car, uh, and their location. So did they think about the risk they were putting that person in or was it just, hey, this is funny, let's throw it online. And now you enter the world of deep fakes where any one of us at any moment could have our face put onto or into a situation. And now you have a world, you know, where in the court of public opinion, <laughs> you might be found, you know, guilty or, you know, uh, irresponsible and it wasn't even you. And a perfect example of that is the Pope being put in the white puffer jacket. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it, right? Yeah. Everybody thought that photo was real and it is not real. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> when you look at a world and, and we've seen this coming for years, you know, like I said, my background is tech. Uh, there are things that we are aware of that are coming that we just can't talk about because we don't want to give a room of 2000 students and, <laughs> you know, ideas, right? On how to, how to do something. So this is something we've been aware of for quite some time. 
And at the end of the day, without that mindfulness and that empathy tied to safety, because now the safety of the individual I was telling you about the gas station, now her safety may also be at risk, right? And so this is what we talk about when we have a digital consciousness. It's an understanding of not just safety, but mindfulness and empathy, both for yourself and the decision-making you're making for yourself, positively or negatively, but how your decisions can affect others and theirs can affect you. Now, I know you offer a wide range of services from presentations. I see you also have a podcast. Um, are all your services fee-based or do you also offer free resources? And are some of these resources offered virtually, in person, or using both methods? Yep. So it's a hybrid. Um, we have a number of resources on our website. We have like a risk assessment, totally free, um, like a parent pack you can download. It has a um, parent-child like tech agreement, uh, things of that nature. So those are free. Um, when families call us or email us, there's a specific situation. Um, maybe they just had somebody get scammed. Uh, maybe there was a minor who had a photo put online. Uh, these are all free services that we assist with. And if we can't assist, we'll refer them to someone like the National Center for Missing Exploited Children. Um, some of your listeners may be interested to know there's like a, a program called Take It Down. Um, and you can work with them if you're a minor and somebody put a, a nude photo of you online, they will help you get that photo down. And again, I want to just make sure, you know, I'm clear, getting the photo down doesn't mean getting it off of everybody's device who might have saved it, but it, it's a start for sure. And um, so we will we will absolutely do all of those services for free. When we go out and we speak in the community or we do a virtual event, we ask for a donation to our nonprofit. That donation helps us cover our travel costs plus you know uh, time. And we also, um, as part of our speaking, we don't just go in and do a workshop and leave. We build a custom web page for that, for that host, that school. And on that web page is a pre-recorded version of the live program. So we don't record it live just for, we don't know who's in the room, but we've done a pre-record. And then we also give lesson plans, four units of lesson plans and activities. We also have a video on demand platform, which goes into additional topics on a deeper level, uh, some podcast episodes, and there's a lot of information on that page. So we give that to the district for three months, unlimited access, and they can share that. We encourage them to share that with everybody. There's no limit on it. You know, if a teacher has a relative in another state, they can send it to them because uh, the goal is to maximize the message. Um, but yes, yeah, so when we do a virtual or a live program, we ask for an honorarium to cover the travel costs um, as well as the hosting costs, the serving costs for building that page, and then obviously our time. Because as a nonprofit without a donation, we wouldn't be around for 14 years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, 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 and I, I keep saying, it seems like I'm saying the same thing. I'm being a, a broken record at the services you, you're offering are just so timely. And I think part of that is up until recently, we're, we're starting to get educators who grew up with technology and all the digital age. But prior to that, you didn't have it. So you had a student right. population that was using all of this multimedia, yet their educators and the adults in their lives, besides using phones and taking pictures, we really didn't know what all we had. So yep. having resources and providing resources that not only adults, but youth, and uh, educators can use definitely uh, goes in, in, in hand. Before we leave, do you have any final comments you'd like to share? Well, I was just going to kind of echo and come, you know, echo and segue off of what you were just saying. Uh, just a couple of thoughts, a couple of points. Yep, number one. So technology is always evolving, right? So let's go to the adults, that, the adults who were kids who are now teachers. So one of the things I always talk about, like let's just say social media, and this goes back to earlier when I was saying it's not possible to keep up. It's always going to change. So if you go back 20 years to MySpace, and this is where you know, 
it's kind of amazing to think that MySpace is 20 years old. But if you go back in that 20 year time frame and you look at, especially when MySpace was really popular, and you look at the humans who are getting in trouble in social media, and now you look, you compare those people and those situations with people getting in trouble in social media today, 20 years later, you know what you're going to find? They're getting in the exact same trouble. Right. So what have we changed in two decades of time? Not the mentality about technology. We just keep changing the name of the app. And so our job is to come in and teach and change the, the mindset about the way you use that technology. Like one of the um, examples, I always use offline examples. Like we were talking about the bikes and the cars. I'll give you another kind of a metaphor we use all the time. And that's with fire. And so I always have, I have a, bar, a barbecue lighter I travel with. And I like this barbecue lighter. People are like, what does that have to do with technology? So when I light a barbecue lighter, what I ex what I try and explain to people is, you know, when we first discovered fire, especially elementary kids, I'm like, how many people do you think got hurt? You know, they say millions, you know, lots of people got hurt. And I'm like, okay. So when people got hurt, we had a decision as humanity, I guess. We could never use fire because people were getting hurt. We didn't understand it. Or we could figure out how to harness it and make it work for us. Obviously, we did that. And then we passed down through generations of mindset. Everyone listening to this has probably heard playing with fire can burn pass that mindset down globally across the world, we also invented tools like the barbecue lighter to harness fire. And so in 2023, 24, or 2054, if I light a barbecue lighter, everybody on the planet, no matter who is in front of me demographically, instinctually knows, if you put your hand over it on a cold day, it would feel great. If you put your hand in it on any day, it's going to hurt. Humans today don't have to think about that. We instinctually know it. And we instinctually know it because we are not new at fire. It's been ingrained in our culture for years. We're not new. We're not ingrained with technology. We're still in our infancy. As advanced as people think we are, we're actually still in our infancy. And so my point here is this. When you instinctually understand how to harness the power of a tool, then the tool becomes irrelevant. I could be handing up. I could be holding a barbecue lighter. I could be holding a book of matches. I could be holding a candle. It doesn't matter what the tool in my hand is. As soon as I turn it on and the fire comes out of it, everyone in the room instinctually understands how to use it responsibly and how to be empathetic and not hurt others with it, right? Same like when you go to a restaurant, and there's a candle on the table. We're not worried that the restaurant's gonna burn down because everybody instinctually understands how to use that, that candle, right? Well, it's kind of the same principle with technology or what we call the 21st century flame. Tools and apps are irrelevant because tools and apps will always change. But the mindset you apply to the power of that tool and you help teach your kids, which is what we do, the mindset you apply to the power of that tool is what's going to matter. And if you can make that mindset that we were, I was talking about earlier, public and permanent, make that work for you, create things, share things in the world, not just for today, but tomorrow that you want people to know about you, your risks stay low and your opportunity and your potential stays high. And as you come out of this digital renaissance for the next generation to learn from, you will be one of the statistics of promise, not pitfalls. And the last thing I'll say for any parents out there who are trying to help their kids who are impulsive because their brain has to be 25 to 27 years old to think long-term, yet we've given them tools where in a moment they could do something that will stay with them forever. Here's kind of maybe a little, a little exercise you can do to help them think beyond the moment. Go to Ancestry.com, pull up an ad from YouTube for Ancestry.com off their page, have your child watch it. And when they're done watching it, ask them this question. What do you want the next generation of our family to know about you? when they go to that far more powerful site or they use AI to scrub the web to do a project called the family tree and try and help them understand truly the true power and nature of the tools they possess. And that for the same reason we today as a culture wanna know where we come from. And we would get excited if we found like a black and white photo or a document, 
future generations will crave that knowledge about us, their very first digital forefathers. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what are you leaving behind for them to discover? And that is an activity that I think sometimes helps our ch children think beyond the moment. Um, some people say to me, well, what would your mom or your grandmom do if they were over your shoulder? I'm like, well, a lot of the kids I work with don't have a mom or a grandmom. But if you can help them think about their future and their family and help them understand the potential long-lasting um, ripple effect of what they're doing today might have, then again, it's just another way to try and motivate them to want to use that power, not just responsibly or safely, but again, to be incredible and uh, to only be limited by their own creativity. And I think if there's anything that comes out of our program, kids appreciate that that message. Yeah, yeah. Well, Richard, thank you so much for being my guest today, for sharing your knowledge, for doing the work that you do. I'll probably reach out to you again in the future because number one, I'm definitely promote the work that you're doing, but I also think it's something that people need to keep on the for forefront. Those that are interacting with kids, you know, that come in contact uh, with, with young people, like you said, unfortunately for them, they don't know necessarily some of the things that they're doing or posting is going to stay. Uh, and you just have to be on the, the outlook for it so that we can kind of keep them sort of on the right track and use it responsibly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's that, if I could say, you know, anything in closing, it's, um, yeah, not everything will always be public and permanent, but you never know once it's out there, um, who, who might save it, you know, who might share it. And if you're putting things out there that are going to make you look incredible, then this is not something you need to worry about. Um, but you know, you can Google, there's no shortage of, of examples over the course of years. And for parents listening, if you find an article, whether it's a positive or negative story, send it to your kids. I just sent mine the other day, a DM about an individual who she just won a $10,000 lawsuit because her teacher shared you know, nude photos of her mm. and she swears that she never sent it to anyone except for her boyfriend through an encrypted messenger. And yet somehow those photos still wound up online and shared by a teacher in a school. And that's just one in millions of examples, you know? So whether it's a negative or a positive story, I always encourage you to, to send them to your kids. You know, maybe they don't, my kids don't always want me in their face. See, you know, see, but um, if I send it through their messenger, through their snap or whatever it is they're using, you know, they might take the time to read it or watch it on their own time and, and learn while I'm not standing there, you know, yeah. with my head over their shoulder. And yeah. so if I can leave you with a tip, it would be that. School. As always, I want to thank our listeners for joining us for this episode where our topic focused on resources available for adults and kids to help youth make responsible decisions regarding their digital use. Please join us for future broadcasts as we continue to explore topics relevant to the out-of-school time field.